Hey guys, I'm here again with Michael Arbuckle for part two of our podcast. Michael Arbuckle is a great uh, massage therapist here in the Austin area. Michael, can you tell them a little bit about you and where they can contact you online? Yeah, um, so I am a massage therapist. Uh, I've been practicing for just over three years. Uh, my, uh, my business is Forge Body Therapy. Um, I practice out of South Austin. And you can find me on social media, primarily on Instagram, but I will direct you to my uh, website link tree that will take you to anywhere you would like to go uh, in my field. Uh, that is www.forgebodytherapy.com. Uh, and again, probably the best way to see what I do is check out my Instagram. Cool. So Michael, what we were uh, kind of touching on at the end of the last podcast is I think there's a piece of, you know, manual therapy massage is ancient. Uh, it's never going to change. And I went, ooh, no. Okay, yeah, I mean, until we get robotics and AI that's strong enough to replace human touch, but it's like all the stuff that goes around it one of the biggest innovations to the massage industry I'd say within the last 10 years or so has been online scheduling software. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all the yeah. stuff around the massage. You see what I'm saying? It's not the session itself. Right. The use of Instagram or social media around the marketing packaging, you know, distribution that's changed. The marketplace for massage itself will change, will diversify what it will look like remains to be seen. Right. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, it is interesting as we delve deeper into different, you know, uh, modalities as we like to call them. But again, Robert, I just want to go back to this idea that, like energy work is not the same as soft tissue work. So it's not why are, but you don't have to have a license to do it. Okay. But it's still so closely affiliated that, we as practitioners are basically um, assumed to just be these all-encompassing uh, healer figures. And I just don't think that that's a helpful uh, lack of distinction there because what I do is nothing like Reiki, is nothing like craniosacral, is nothing like Swedish. And it's just like, why are those why are those modalities lumped together under the guise of massage? Because massage has no distinct definition on the, other than the way people are just generally defining it. Yeah. So when I tell therapists this, and I'll always say this, the most famous massage therapist in America is Phoebe from Friends. <laughs> massage therapists aren't taking out their phone and educating people on what they do so what we wind up in is a situation where most of what people know about massage they've learned from Pornhub so they assume it's something to do with the sex trade or you know whatever else and it's like the only people who are going to fight that stigma are massage therapists themselves and yes. the, here comes the rough part of the podcast if I start talking about personal responsibility Oh Lord, that's, that's that's rough. Why you gotta do that, white guy? Just shut up, like you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're talking to an industry of people who, basically, the 
the majority, and this is going to be, this is going to find me some haters. I don't know. You tell me I should collect some haters. So uh, <laughs> the, ma- the majority of the massage therapists that I've come in contact with um, are basically here because they didn't fit anywhere else and they didn't have a terrible amount of drive and they thought, hey, I can get paid to just show up and touch some people and then, you know, call it a day. Um, yeah. And that's a super, super derogatory, reductive way to say that. But at the same time, the, the ty- that's the type of person I, I think of when I think of massage envy. Somebody who just wants to punch the clock. They don't really care. They just, they think they're doing something. They're there to make people feel nice, smell good, but they're not performing a treatment in regards to what I'm thinking of when I say, I want body work. My hip hurts and I would like you to work on it. That's not, I'm not going to get that if I ask for a massage. Um, So I think it's up to us as much as we have to defend our industry and tell people that we're not rubbing tugs. um, We also have to tell them what we are, which is hopefully uh, skillful and thoughtful practitioners who are manipulating people's soft tissue to make them move more freely. Uh, And if that's not what you're doing, then what you're doing should not necessarily fall in under the same category as massage um, in my mind, or that type of work needs to get its own label. Uh, And I think that's what we keep coming back to is, you know, is the work that you do is the work that I do. Is that still massage? Because by all the definitions of the people who practice massage, it's not, you you've talked about it. I've talked about it. Practitioner, like other massage therapists, okay. like that's not and, massage. And here's the bottom line. If it's not massage, can I go out and train the public to do what I do right now for money? Uh, according to TDLR, apparently not. Well, I'm not so sure about that. All right. Now, that can get it inordinately complex because we'd have to bring up stretch lab and stretch zone and what was going on with them pre-pandemic. Um, I'm not absolutely certain. And I know that in the end, I have to tell students, listen, I teach online. I put out information globally at this stage. Um, I do not check licenses for people from Mauritius. Don't know what the role is in Mauritius. Don't care. I don't want people to go out and break the law. I don't coach to be people coach people to break the law. I don't encourage them to break the law. But at the same time that massage therapists feel like they have to have a license, you know, it's like, no, 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 you have to have a license to charge. I can teach Scott to work on his wife, Laura, and they can take my online materials and study the same materials massage therapists are using where I'm going to explain the anatomy and how they're going to lean in and how Laura is going to work on Scott. Is there a reason for me not to do that? No. No. Is that still massage? And they're like, yeah, but massage therapists say yes, but it's not massage therapy. And I go, okay. All right. So then. But basically, the reason I have a problem with massage regulation is they're trying to pass laws about touch itself. That's the core issue. Who's doing that? Massage regulators. Oh, no. You haven't talked to me about that. That'll get me, I will go off if that's. The, okay. If the, so, but like, does cuddle therapy manipulate soft tissue? No, it toys with my emotions because I always want more. 
do personal trainers manipulate soft tissue? Indirectly. Do stretch therapists at stretch lab and stretch zone manipulate soft tissue? They think they do, but pain science community would tell them that their stretches mean nothing. <laughs> do yoga teachers or yoga therapists who are doing hands-on assists manipulate soft tissue? Again, they, they think they are, and there's a whole field of people who tell them that they're not, that they're just hyperextending their joints and ligaments, and uh, they're not actually doing anything protective. But they may actually be, in fact, manipulating soft tissue. And here's what it matters to me. Not one iota. Right. At, at the moment, you call me at a good time. I'm just not annoyed at it. I have a license. I do what I do. I follow the laws in Texas. I follow the laws when I go to other states. I understand the, the legal framework that I'm operating in. But in the end, I just put out information and let the, the industry do whatever it's going to do. Um, having conversations about having laws regulating how people touch each other or touch each other for money starts to get into weird areas that I just don't want the government completely involved in, just in my opinion. You know? like, again, it, it's, like, it's like speeding laws. I always have to preface this because people seem to get very confused by it. You know, I may be against speeding laws, but I understand that if I speed, I'm going to get pulled over and get a ticket. Yeah. And I accept that. It doesn't mean I agree with speeding laws. It doesn't mean that I agree that people are more safe because we have speeding laws. No, it's a way of the state generating revenue. And I recognize that as sort of a tax on the people, but that's just me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because... Yeah, we. Do. I mean, yes. Uh, so, I take I take what I do very seriously. I that idea of do no harm, um, and so I'm always, you know, that's always kind of running in the back of my head. But you're right. I mean, like, I, there's times that I want to show people how to work on themselves, so that I'm not wasting every session that we have. Not wasting, spending too much time each session just kind of going over the basics, like. I want to give them tools to just work on themselves so that when they come see me, we can actually get to the meat of it. And I'm not digging through, sifting through all these minutiae that uh, they could actually handle themselves. I, I discuss this a lot with my clients. I am a big proponent of foam rolling. It's a hot ticket item right now uh, amongst the pain science community and all of these people saying foam rolling doesn't do anything. Foam okay. rolling so is effective. Thing. If foam rolling does nothing, then manual therapy and touch altogether does nothing. Absolutely. And so what they're, that whole group of people is trying to invalidate the entire touch industry, the entire idea that manual therapy has no effect. And I'm like, okay, so what's the basis of that claim? It's like, well, you have to keep doing it to, you know, and you don't ever make lasting change. And I'm like, there's plenty of things that we do over and over again that don't uh, create lasting change, but is still essential and very important to the maintenance and upkeep of our human body. Hygiene, for example. So if you want to call foam rolling like body hygiene, great. Whatever you need to do to get yourself off and get over it. Uh, but the fact that you say just because you foam roll and you have to do it again and again doesn't mean it's not working. You go to the gym, you lift the same shit again and again, and incrementally you see improvement. Has anybody measured the same metric like of foam rolling with weightlifting over the same periods of time? PT, same thing. 
You got to do the same annoying ass basic movements to rehab the tissue. Okay. But is that not the same thing as doing the, the iterative process of manipulating that tissue again and again until it adapts to that stimulus to where it changes? Um, so like, going back to what I was saying, I like to give my clients the empowerment to work on themselves. So then when they come to see me, we can work on bigger issues. I, I don't want them to become addicted to me. That's not the point of this game. Um, I want them to feel better and move better. If I've accomplished that, awesome. I've done my job. They're going to send their friends. Perfect. Uh, if they become addicted to me, it's, it's not productive. It's, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing again and again. And while that's nice in job security, that's not why I'm here. That's not why I believe I became a massage therapist. I don't think that's why you do what you do. You don't just want to endlessly do the same massage routine on the same person every single time. And I see too many massage therapists who are just like, yeah, they really like my Swedish routine. Great. They like a Swedish routine. That doesn't sound like it's doing anything other than just being a Swedish routine. That's not the same as what we're doing. We're doing work. We're correcting. We're, we're, yeah. Uh, it's frustrating. You work on pain and mobility, much like I do. I don't yes. feel like most of what you described is you wanted to be a service provider who delivered massage. That's yeah. not why, why I went to massage school. I went to massage no. school to get better. And once I figured out how to get better, I kept using that, tweaking that, learning and growing and yoga and time massage and all this stuff and went, okay, hold on. This is really good for chronic pain and mobility, but now it doesn't look like the stuff I was taught in school. Yeah. And then eventually started teaching and started teaching massage therapists how to, you know, do what I do or whatever, teaching them how to use deep compressions, how to do mat work, how to expand their practice. And it was like, okay, you're teaching technique. Then I was teaching business and then I was teaching self-esteem. Now I continue to teach all that entire, you know, rainbow right there and just continue to work with the students where they are to build them up to the point that they feel comfortable where they're at. I mean, the first net, the interview I did with Natalie, um, I got Natalie on Zoom and pressed a button because I was like, man, how do you record on this? And I, I just did a quick search and found it and pressed a button. And Natalie told me flat out she's worked for 15 or more years. I can't remember exactly. So, somewhere in there. And she just said, Robert, I was booked up pre-pandemic. She was booked out till September. Holy shit. Awesome results at the place she works. She's loved where she works. She's kind of like lead therapist, I think. The manager got a session. The manager, she worked on the manager for about 15 minutes, she said. And the manager said, your work is awesome, but this isn't massage. And I went, oh, man, here we go. Wow. Here we go again. And it's like, the problem is the manager can't replicate and mass produce what she is doing. Yeah. It's slightly different. It's tweaking the variable in, in many different ways. And I, I reduced the learning curve using online education to like give as much support materials and structure as I can for the therapist. But I can only go so far in holding the therapist's hands. They really have to want it. They really have to use the material, watch the material, practice, use their legs and feet. And it's always so insightful to me to see someone that they finally, you know, get on a mat, put their knees in somebody's glutes and go, oh my God. And I go, yes. They're like, this isn't even remotely the same thing. And I go, 
Is it easier on your body? Yes. Is it more effective? Yes. Can you charge more for it? Yes. If you don't want something that's easy, effective, and allows you to make more money and help people out of chronic pain, I don't have anything to offer you. Yeah. And that's, but that's what I'm saying is, uh, I, I'm just, yeah, you, you, you make the offer irresistible and it doesn't matter if the people that you're offering it to don't get it. Then it's just like, uh, this is, this should be, this isn't really even a question. It's like, when do you start? And it, uh, again, the, my overwhelming impression of the massage industry from the three years one four years if you include school is that it's it's just not a high caliber highly motivated group of people they're just they want to just slather lotion how was high school terrible highly motivated in high school what high schoolers highly amazing group of people so good they're my favorite i really especially loved you know being taunted and teased that was great yeah a plus for that (laughs) no fuck high school (laughs) (laughs) i mean the thing is and i don't want to be a a complete jerk about it but average is a word for a reason a lot of massage therapists are average a lot of people in any industry are just average you know it's like it's just the way the way things are i know that i aspire to be well above average um I just continue to work on the craft. And the way I talk about working on the craft is kind of like the way that um, in the last 30 or so years, we finally got to the celebrity chef. We never really had celebrity chefs before that. Like chefs, who was a chef in 1800? I have no idea. Like chefs didn't have renown, I guess. Now that we Mm. have video and TV and food network, we have celebrity food people. I mean, who's a... you still had like the chef for the king and queen like sure. that that was like that was an honor sure. and so like in that regard i think that like food culture has had uh and of i mean if you say anything like that to the french they would string you up by your shoes because no no no, no, no. i'm talking about mass market popularization i know that if you you know briat sovereign or whatever like there were people who wrote books and things and you know i i know that like i, I don't want I couldn't step on food culture. I love it. The difference is we didn't have celebrity chefs. True. That's really yeah. only happened in the last 30 or so years, probably because of mass technology. Who's the yeah. celebrity massage therapist? Closest, uh, I would say, I would give you Ida Rolf or Eric Dalton are the two that come to mind. And they're Just not, because even, of the, they're not and they're, known by the general public. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you you have to be pretty industry specific uh, to know that. Um, I would say, I mean, again, I, I, you got me talking about food. I'm like Julia Child. Like, yeah. she was. I mean, she catapulted food into the the spotlight. Also, yeah. also for women, which was great. Um, yeah. So good on her. And the thing is, but it takes somebody who's a a rule breaker, you know, to go out and do that. Absolutely. Thing is, and to do it with style. Like I could hear a voice when, when, as soon as you said it. Um, yeah. Love the food generally cooks. You know, I'm wearing a Tony Bourdain shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, so yeah, it, it just contact education of the public. Um, you know, just the food scene, for instance, in America, like 
the food scene in America, like we live in Texas, we live in central Texas, you can get, now I'm not saying it's traditional Sichuan or traditional Cantonese Chinese food, but you can find it in, in Austin, yeah. in Texas. We're a long way from China, you know, 30 years ago. And that's what I mean, that the diversity and complexity within the massage and bodywork marketplace, what I think is going to happen in the next 20, 20 to 30 years is, the diversity is going to happen. It's not going to be massage indie. Yeah. There's going to be Whataburger, In-N-Out, Freddy's Frozen Custard, Hop Dotties, you know, all these local places and whatever else. I mean, we, we had some and then they, ugh, well, they just... yeah. COVID is, oh man, if you're in the restaurant industry, please, if you, if you need a session, just contact me. We'll try to work it out, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. I love everything they bring to the Austin food scene. Um, I watch a lot of eater videos and discovered a few places I didn't even know about that I'm like, great, is this place even going to be you know, around? Whatever this is. We, we still need to go to Salt and Time, that place. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, they're, doing, they're doing charcuterie boards to go. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I, uh, yeah. I was like, I'd do some sketchy shit for a charcuterie board from Salt and Time right now. <laughs> So, so we take this this clip, <laughs> and that's what we put on Instagram. We tag Salt and Time. Yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh man! But, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, uh, food chemistry. The the chefs taking food, reducing it uh, to certain chemistry variables, and tweaking it. You know, it's yeah. like making charcuterie as Salt and Time does in an Austin landscape with Austin animals in Central Texas. Absolutely. Like we're not really known for dry aged meat in Central Texas, but they're doing no. it. They're doing it well. And, and that's the thing. It's like that sort of nuance. It's, it's like not just what I do. I look for that sort of nuance in the massage and bodywork marketplace. And it's like, I can see it starting to bubble. I can see it starting, even Stretch Lab and Stretch Zone, seeing some diversity and going, ooh, because now the massage industry is going, oh, well, I want a stretch routine. And I'm like, you didn't, you didn't ask for a stretch routine until these guys created the, the corporate version of it. Right. It's interesting. And I, and I, know, I actually think I, I know what you're talking about. And, it's, and you're right. And maybe that's what I'm, t- when I, I, we were, I kept harping on this idea of having separation, but yeah, maybe the word that I'm looking for is nuance. Like I can think of several facilities around Austin that offer unique services or try to, uh, you have Ashiatsu, uh, as one modality that's kind of sprung up just because of the deep pressure. Uh, there's one establishment that will remain nameless where they pride themselves on marking their clients. Uh, these marks have a distinct similarity to actual bruising. I do cupping. Cupping is not bruising. These practitioners seem to think that leaving marks is a mark of success. I don't necessarily think that's the right direction of nuance that we want to go, but you know, I get what you're saying. You're right. Slowly, but surely we're starting to get and see uh, a more finessed version of massage. Um, People that I think are killing it. Uh, I hope you don't mind if I throw some people out there. Mantis, I think does a great job. I've heard nothing but good things about their um, their services. Uh, very technical, more specific. Um, they talk about muscles like platysma. Most people don't know what that muscle is. It's I call it the swamp monster muscle. It's this very thin sheet across your neck and goes down into your collar. Uh, 
that's on their job job description. They're looking for therapists who know and are comfortable talking about that. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I don't think that they hire men because they've never responded to any of my requests. That's okay. No hard feelings. Um, Myo Massage, I worked for them. Uh, great place. Uh, but again, it still um, tries to fit itself into that uh, spa environment. And I just don't think that serves, um, still serves them uh, in what they're trying to achieve. And so when I met you and when I saw the work that you're doing and the direction you were going, I was like, yes, all aboard, big change. Like I, I struggled through massage school because I was like, they're spoon feeding me Swedish massage and they're making this one routine span what feels like months um, at a time. And I was like, you could have taught this to us in a week and then just moved on because I don't find this a productive use of my time. Uh, but unfortunately, the massage industry has been pigeonholed into that Swedish box. Uh, but I'm really excited to see diversification. And hopefully what that means is when there's more facilities offering distinct services, that there will be more room in the educational arena to have standalone, not necessarily continuing ed, versions of what you're talking about and i and i think i pride myself to know you that you're doing that so i think it's I think great. part of the issue is mass production the the schools at this stage are having to feed therapists into facilities like massage envy so they need to have a basic routine to be able to go there and get a job the schools know that these students are not going to work for themselves or if they do eventually they're going to work for other people for a year or two just to get their feet wet, get their hands on some bodies. And then it's just, they're expected, you know, well, they're going to take continuing education. Um, The degree to which there is diversity in the marketplace, man, I'm just stubborn. Like I discovered what I did fairly early on with my teacher. Um, She was not involved with yoga. Um, I really liked yoga. I had started doing yoga before I started studying with her. Once I had like yoga and time massage, I was just like, this is it, dude, this is, I mean, all those years ago, this is 18 years ago, I was like, this will take over the entire massage industry. It'll take two years. This is too good. Here we are. 18 years later, I'm teaching it and massage therapists in Austin are going, I don't know, it's not massage. (laughs) (laughs) And in the end, you know, it's, it's very problem solution. I really focus on the problem and then like the solution and then I brand that solution. I don't worry about their, what do they think it is or is it yoga or is it Thai or I don't know. Like I don't, I worry about that less and less because it just solves a problem in a way that people respond well to. I don't have poor responses from clients. Occasionally I can, I can count on one hand the number of people I've worked on, number of times I've worked on someone and they said, no, I'd rather just have a massage. Yeah. It's like, cool, but that just means my work wasn't particularly for them. Usually what I get is these people who crack open and they go, whoa, there's like other options. I didn't realize. Yeah. You know, it's like if they're been in pain, you know, there are people that I see who are basically close to surgery and they can't believe that some of their pain or enough of it is like soft tissue based yeah. surgeries without medication that we could reduce pain that greatly. And if we could do that once, it's always me telling them we could probably do it again. If we could do it two times, I'm sure you got to work on yourself. Yeah. 
And uh, that, that reminds me, like, you and I have pretty similar kind of uh, origination stories. I mean, you obviously learned Thai massage quite early in your career, um, but we both started in chiropractic offices. And again, we were exposed to those clients in that chronic pain environment uh, where we just got thrown in and got to learn. Um, but it's, and it, it's just astounding what you can achieve with a little bit of thoughtfulness, communication, and just going for it because you, you know that it's going to help. Um, because yeah, I mean, I was having people, I was doing 30 minute sessions to warm up, uh, the client's body for their adjustments. I was there as a glorified babysitter. Um, but at the end of two years, I was getting clients who were like, do I have to get the adjustment? Can I just come see you? Cause I feel much better. And it's kind of a toss up if I feel better and that's dangerous to say, and chiropractors don't want to hear that. And I understand, but what, I mean, what do you, I, I, it, one of my greatest passions, uh, for this field and this industry arose when I realized how many of these people were coming to see us. They were in pain. They kind of, this was like the end of the road. They were like, this is their last ditch effort chiropractic. Cause you know, who knows, but this was their last stop before getting surgery. And I, it just killed me. I was like, what do you mean you need to have surgery? Who told you that? Like, you're not that far gone. And that was just from my limited experience. I mean, obviously this is after working with them, you know, on multiple occasions and seeing them progress. It's like, you don't, you need to reevaluate that surgery because I mean, if you look at the, uh, I think it's, is it the CDC? Um, that would, the recommendation for like a knee surgery is like a year of active physical therapy and soft tissue before attempting a surgery. And then the success of that surgery is not guaranteed. So why is it that we see so many people just getting knee replacements, hip replacements, all these things willy nilly when nobody is given them any other options. And so that's kind of because the options that we do have are fairly rudimentary. They're not extremely well studied and they're very difficult to replicate and mass produce. And good yeah. doctors, good pain management doctors, good chiropractors, they know the limits and they don't build false expectations in clients. Yeah. Good pain management doctors who do surgery, intervertebral discs and things like that, you know, they got a herniation bulges. They tell them, listen, we're going to try to get you to go to physical therapy, see a massage therapist, see if we can reduce some of this pain and keep you off the knife. And the reason why is they know in two to three years, the surgeries are going to be less invasive and more effective. Yeah. It's the last case resort, last case resort. But that's just not what I'm seeing, like, especially from the clientele side. And that's why I want, when I, when I see you struggling to spread the good word to massage service, to me, my focus would be the clients, educate the clients, generate the demand, be like, Hey, guess what? There's other options out there other than getting, you know, this silly 15 minute snap and crack that's maybe working for you, maybe not. And I don't want to reduce all chiropractors to that, but I just see so many people twice a week going to their Cairo and be like, it helps. Does it fix it? No, but it's not, 
it's not a solution. And then they're like, well, your service is the same price for a longer time, but will it fix me? The community say no, but our, my results, your results say otherwise. So again, I, I question why not create the demand? Be like, there are other options. So then this thing, I make video, this podcast, mostly massage therapists will see it. Maybe some of my fans, followers, clients will see it. Um, am I not educating the public? I mean, I think your intention is to reach out to massage therapists. I think inherently, but you're right. The power of the internet, let it proliferate, let it, let it do its thing. Um, but again, I don't think you're going to see this uh, monumental shift in the mindset of massage therapists until they get this horde of clients barking at them like, why, why aren't you giving me this better body work? I, I why really are you not? Like, I mean, I think people, if they looked at what I'm doing, they would say I was marketing mainly to massage therapists. And I keep putting out information to earth. Like, it includes potential clients, but my practice isn't involved at this stage in just getting clients. It's involved right. in education, online education, massage therapists, like all over the, the map and continues to diversify. If anything, we're trying to build up to more video production and more video production and more noise and more whatever just builds everything I'm doing, including getting you to produce video of your own. Yeah. The challenge is when it comes to people finding you, um, I can write articles and blog posts about pain relief and pain management in the Round Rock area. If you went and polled people in Round Rock right now and asked about Robert Gardner, nobody would know who I was. And but nobody in Austin would know. Now, massage therapists might start to get an idea. Of, yeah, I've heard of him or, you know, whatever. So the whole thing is, is like, you're really just running a numbers game. Now, I'm also not completely done. The time massage jam, for instance, is it for the public or is it for therapists? Both. And that's exactly how my marketing is. I didn't even separate that that much. It was just all kind of rolled together. Um, yeah. And we'll continue educating. It's just that the easiest way for me to know to reach out to the largest number of people is through the internet. The other difference is if people are searching for a massage, I'm not going to show up on the first page. If they search for time massage, I might. And if they search for other specific keywords like time massage and yoga therapy or something like that, that's even more succinct, right? But what people are searching for on a mass scale is massage. And yeah. if they think massage, they're not thinking what I do specifically. There's an SEO challenge. Yeah, interesting. Because um, like, so the thing is, you don't want to call what you do massage because it's forming their expectations over what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even just having this conversation, I feel like a light bulb has gone off. Like, I've been, I want to redirect my marketing strategy to issue-specific work or at least pitches. Um, and I know you've, you've actually talked about this and I don't know why I haven't done it or, but carpal tunnel is a great one. I, I would have to say it's probably one of the most overly diagnosed things, usually self diagnosed things that people come in with. Um, but I, you know, just, it's something that almost everybody has an issue with some sort of hand. We're so tactile now we're spending so much more time on computers 
but primarily our phones. Like, I mean, even I, I'm struggling. I have a overused my right arm, but this thumb, this juncture right here has caused me unbelievable amounts of grief. Um, I was in a car wreck uh, that seems to have uh, exacerbated whatever issue was already there. But what I've found through self-exploration is that it's primarily this muscle right here, uh, the pad of my thumb, and then these suckers that run out my forearm flexors. And it travels, you know, up all the way up to my elbow. And there's points there that I press and it sends, you know, full, like a, probably a six into my thumb and just be like, whoa, hot spot. This is connected. And it's, you know, uh, I think if more people, um, more clients understood that their wrist pain when they're trying to do their burpees or um, when they're just, I don't know, when they're texting in bed and their, their hand is cramping, like that is, that can directly correlate and translate into their neck and shoulder pain. Like those are not two separate issues going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's about education. And from my perspective, I feel like you've always geared towards massage therapists. Well, Um, the thing is, it's, it's also, things are about to change. Okay. So when I gear towards massage therapists, it was like, I was never going to be able to do enough time massage. I called it that at the time to be able to get the mass saturation in the Austin marketplace. I had to start providing to the providers and build a market, which is totally different. It's totally, totally different. Now I'm at the stage where we are about to start multi-camera video live streams. When I'm able to do that, it means I can go live and teach the public. It means I can go live and teach therapists. It means I can go live and teach the yoga community. It means I can go live and teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It means I can go live with the Time Massage Jam again and again and again. The video production is ramping up. The problem is, where is the low-hanging fruit? Because you don't want to fight. Like, I'm not trying to convert people. You got to find the people who already think like you do. And here's the thing. It's like, I'm hitting the massage community pretty hard. But what happens when I flip and let's say into the yoga community and then the yoga community kind of explodes on what I'm doing? Well, then I don't fight because I'll stop teaching the yoga massage community and start focusing on the yoga community. Or maybe I find that just doing self-care classes to the public is what the public really wants. And then that, that explodes. I don't really care. It's just trying to pick the low hanging fruits. Like the ongoing battle has been from a regulatory standpoint is who does my work belong to? Right. And that is, and that's frustrating. Um, And again, we, you know, we, we can talk ourselves into circles about regulation and, you know, because on the one hand, I totally get uh, coming from like an artistic and higher education background. I'm like, yeah, credentials mean money, legitimacy, uh, people have given you their stamp and it makes you legitimate at the same time. It's all this fucking bureaucratic bullshit that you have to sift through in order to just do your simple job of helping people. Um, and that's where I get, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of like, screw it. I'm just going to tuck my nose down, keep going uh, and, and just help these people in front of me and not worry about who's telling me what, what to call what I'm doing. Like I, I, um, I just don't, I have no interest in that kind of minutia, but I know that for there to be any significant change, 
it'll take enough people, therapists with a vision that makes it look like we can create something that's different, a regulatory that, a regulation that works for us. But the reason who knows when that'll come. The reason I work on branding, <clears throat> and we still haven't rebranded away from from reboot. Um, the reason I work on branding is at some point I understood that that was how people thought and it wasn't going to do good to try to have this open source conversation. Like people wanted Nike. They wanted Whataburger. They yeah. wanted In-N-Out. They wanted the brand name. They, they want, they desperately want the symbol that represents, you know, what they're doing. So it made sense to brand what I was doing, build a better brand, continue to tweak it and just let it evolve. Yeah. Um, to not do that is actually making things far, far more difficult, um, far more challenging. It's, it's not a good idea to sit down and go, I don't, well, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. It's like, no, you need to tell them what you do and you need to have a logo and a brand and a stamp and you need to walk around and stamp everyone. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, that's, that's basically how my business started was I told people, I was like, people were like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a massage therapist. And I hate saying that because the second they say, oh, oh, I just really need a massage. And what they're envisioning is me, you know, having them disrobe and rub lotion on them. I'm like, no, this is not, this is not that massage. And this is not, this is not the, the, the Mother's Day package that you should get for, uh, mama like it's not that i have i done that absolutely was it my proudest moment no because that's not the kind of work that i want to deliver that's not my vision that's not my my creative art um and so i did i spent a lot of time explaining to people what i don't do and it took all of that figuring out what i don't do to put into words what i do do <laughs> um because it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to pin down what you, what you've taught me. And then the direction I've gone with it, it's, it's all my clients say it. It's just not massage. It's, it's, it's different. They're like, uh, not sure what just happened, but, um, that was not like any massage I've ever had. I'm like, yeah, probably not. That's cool. Whatever you want to call it. Um, it does make branding a little difficult though, because if you don't have a word to describe you know, encapsulate what it is that you do. Yep. How do you then have your, have your clients spread that like word of mouth by far. I think if you ask any therapist, number one thing, word of mouth referrals, somebody who has received the work and can explain it to new potential clients and sing your praises. That's the goal. That's, that is the end all be all. But if you can't put into words what it is you do, uh, you're kind of up shit's creek. Like what? So, um, that's, what's made social media for me so powerful because I just let my actions tell the story. Like, mm -hmm. and because you've given me the tools to work with people fully clothed, I can now show them. I can show the world. Uh, I know that there's therapists out there. Uh, and it makes it, it makes me overwhelmingly happy, uh, that are recording. They're not, Un, uh, not fully closed sessions. Uh, what was his name? What's your that dude's name? The one Mr. that you. Yes, 
Oh yeah, my God, Mr. Pure Relief, Mr. Pure Relief. If you see this, I gotta have you on the show, man. We we're gonna make you a final massage entrepreneurs, man. You gotta you gotta. I I I fully support that because I think it's amazing, <laughs> um, and I think it'll be maybe just enough to piss off enough people to start a movement. So more power <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, come through, Mr. Pa- uh, Pure Relief. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. Um, the power that you've given like me to use social media, to use my camera, to tell a story about what I do um, has allowed me to, uh, I mean, maybe it's arrogantly, but turn down a lot of work. I, I, people ask me if I do Swedish and I just simply tell them I don't. I have no interest in providing that service and I am happy to refer you to a lovely massage therapist who wants to do that and offers that um, because I don't think it's not a service that shouldn't be offered. It, that's absolutely not what I think. I just want to be able to provide the service to the people who need it and want it um, and have people know what that is. Um, I want to create my little slice of pie over here and be happy. Isn't that the dream, Robert? You're like, I want to blow up the pie. You want actually, you actually want to American pie that pie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. I think in the end, regardless of what actually happens, um, my conception of it is probably going to be different than how it will be in actuality. You're so, breaking up pretty bad sound-wise. I don't know okay. where that, whose end that's on. Ah, who knows. Um, can you still hear me? Hero? Is it cutting out pretty bad? You are now frozen. Give it just a second. <clears throat> Am I still frozen there? Yep, you back? Can I'm, you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay, yeah, you're coming in. Yeah, your screen is glitching pretty bad, and I can't, your sound is cutting out. There's probably only like four other people in my house playing World of Warcraft simultaneously. So. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, bandwidth. <laughs> so the goal is to have enough clients and enough students and keep growing. Uh, I lost you again, I think. Eventually, there's enough where I just don't have time to focus on the externalities. I don't have enough time to focus on people who don't like it because I'm just serving the clients and students who like it and then just continuing to build. I can't understand you, brother. It's not coming through? Hello, hello. I can hear you just fine. It's clear on my end. Is it me? Not at all. I think I'm pretty good. So I'm not cutting out at all for you, though? Nope. Not at all. In silence. And quiet. Hmm. All right. So let's go ahead and do this. Michael... Go ahead. Can, uh, go ahead and what? You cut out again. 
Yeah, I'm just letting everybody know we were going to go ahead and close up because we were having some tech difficulties. We had a pretty long uh, conversation. Um, you're you're cutting out so bad. I have no idea what uh, what's what you're saying. Can you type it? I can hear you clicking, but your face is frozen. Oh, okay. Give them my links. Um, all right, guys. Well, you can find me at www.forgebodytherapy.com. It'll take you to uh, my little link tree where you can find my Instagram. That's probably the best place to see my work. Um, you can go to my online store where you can buy gift card. You can pre-book, um, not even book, but you can pre-purchase uh, sessions, uh, packages. I'm running some specials right now. So hopefully when this quarantine clears and, uh, yeah, check, check out my socials and, uh, hit me up if you have any questions. Cool. Am I coming through loud and clear now, Michael? No, it sounds like it's not at all. So listen, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. It was a pleasure talking with Michael Arbuckle. I'll see you guys again soon. If you ever have any questions for me, feel free to uh, chat me up. If you're looking for uh, workbooks, DVDs, you want to pick up something, including our subscription service, the subscription service is completely free for your first month. You can find that on my website. But thank you guys for coming out, and I'll see you again soon. Really appreciate your attention.